If you have your Bible, we're turning, please, this morning to the book of Numbers. At the start of your Bible, you'll come through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then to the book of Numbers. And Numbers chapter 13, please. Numbers chapter 13. And when you find the place, just leave your Bible open, open there. Father, we just bow before Thee again this morning, and we thank You, Lord, for the truth that we have been singing in these tremendous hymns. And Lord, as we gather around Your Word this morning, we pray for Your help. We pray for that endowment of the Spirit of God, and we pray that You will come and give us ears to hear what You would have to say to every one of us. We pray that You will just settle us, Lord, in Thy presence. We pray, Lord, for that divine aid that cometh from above, that you will come, Lord, O oh God, this morning and feed us on that fresh manna from heaven. And, Lord, we pray for the sense of thy presence to come. Oh, we need thee. Every hour, every moment, every second, we need thee, Lord. And so we call upon our God and ask in Jesus' name that you will come and help this morning. We ask it in the precious name of our Savior. Amen. Amen. We're going to look this morning at a man in the Bible that was mightily used by God. I'm sure the desire of any believer that has saved any length of time would be that God would use you wherever you are. And maybe that has been the prayer and the cry of your heart in recent days. It's definitely been the prayer and the cry of mine is that God would use me and God would use you and use this assembly, that God would take us in in his hand and that he would mold us, that he would touch lives through us. We're going to look at a man this morning that was used just like that in the hand of God. Whenever you come to these first five books of the Bible, there's great men that stand out, men like Abraham, Men like Moses, men like Isaac and Jacob, men even like Joshua, men that knew their God, and as a result, they did exploits for him. We're going to look this morning at another man, a man that is often forgot about and often overlooked. But this man was so mightily used by God, and one thing that he did, that he affected the whole nation. One man in the hand of God who touched the whole nation. In Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel have made their way out of Egypt. They know what it was to be sheltered under the precious blood of the Lamb. And they were led out by the mighty hand of God and he brought them through the Red Sea. It was there when he brought them into the wilderness And he gave them the water from the rock and the manna from heaven. The cloud that led them by day and the fire that protected them by night. And almost a year has passed. And they come to Kadesh Barnea. That place where they were going to cross over the Jordan. Into the promised land. That place where they came and they wanted to enter in and they needed to enter into all of the blessings that God had for them. I want you to cast your eye to verse 1 of chapter 13 and we'll pick the story up. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. 
which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Pharaoh. And all these men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were the names of the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, the son of Sachar, of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Horai, and of the tribe of Judah, Caleb. This is the man that we're going to look at this morning for a moment or two. This man, Caleb, that was used by God. This man, Caleb, that was a man that was used in the hand of God to touch a nation. He was just an ordinary man. And my dear people, this morning I take courage in that because God takes ordinary men and women. God takes them when we're available to him, and thank God he can use them. Now I want you to think a few things with me this morning about this man. There's the character of Caleb. Because if you cast your eye again down to verse 3, you'll discover that he was one of the heads of the children of Israel. He was a ruler. My dear people, this man, he must have been a wise man. He must have been a godly man. He, he must have been a man that was close to God to be lifted out of the tribe of Judah and to be set as a ruler. My, he had a mighty task in his life. You think of all of the people in the tribe of Judah. And here, Caleb, this man was one of the rulers. He must have been a trusted man. God could trust this individual. And my dear people, this morning when we get into the presence of God and we get into that place and we say, Lord, I want you to use me. My, how we have to be individuals that God can trust. But there's not only the task that this man had, there's the tribe that this man was from. He was from the tribe of Judah. And you get a time in your life and during the week and you go through all the blessings of the tribes. And Judah was the tribe of praise. Judah was the tribe, the lion tribe, the tribe of war. That's the tribe that the Lord Jesus came from was the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. It said of Judah that he would have his hand upon the neck of the enemy. He was the royal tribe. It was from the tribe of Judah that the scepter would never depart. And here this man Caleb comes from the tribe of Judah. He's a man that could be trusted. He, he was a man that praised God. But listen to this, he, he had his confidence in God. Because this man Caleb, I can tell you in the difficult days that we're going to see together this morning, in all of the battles, in all of the shortcomings, in all of the disappointments in life, Caleb had his confidence in God. He put his trust in the Lord. He could have said like the psalmist in Psalm 56, in God have I put my trust. My dear friends, this morning it's a blessed thing. Whenever the people of God, we put our trust in him. In the dark days, in the hard days, in the difficult days, in the days of uncertainty, to put our trust like Caleb 
in God. They came to Kadesh Barnea. And Moses called 12 men. You'll remember the story. One man from every tribe. And if you cast your eye down to verse 17 of chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the land, and see the land what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or whether they be weak, few or many. Down to verse 21. So they went up and searched the land. Now these 12 men sent by Moses, and they've come to the Kadesh Barnea, and they're sent on a job on an errand to go over into the promised land, and they're going to be there for 40 days. 40 days they're going to walk the length and the breadth of the land in Canaan. They're going to spy it out to see what the inhabitants are offer like, whether they be strong or weak, many or few. Now I want you to cast your eye down for the sake of time to verse 23. And they came onto the brook Eskel, and they cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two and a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eskel because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. Whenever these men went into the land of Canaan and they came to the brook Eskel, they could see the fruit of the land. It was a land, as we're going to hear in a moment's time, was a land, my, that flowed with milk and honey. It was a land where God had blessed. It was where God wanted his people to be. I'm glad this morning that God's desire is towards his people. I'm glad this morning that God's desire for your life as a believer is to bless you. And here these men, they brought the cluster of grapes. They had to bear it between two. Now I want you to cast your eye again, and we're just looking at the word of God this morning, to verse 25. And they returned from searching out the land 40 days. 40 days these men went. 40 days they spied the enemy. 40 days they saw the fruit. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron. And to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And brought back word unto them. And all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him. And said, We have come unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. My all these people standing on the banks of the Jordan, over a million and a half men and women, waiting for 40 days in expectation. What's the promised land going to be like? What's the blessing of God going to be like? We've left Egypt behind. We've come out of slavery. And we've got all of the moral law and the ceremonial law. We've got the priests and the tabernacle. But oh, I wonder what the promised land is like. And 40 days later, these 12 men come back. And they say, surely it's a land that flows with milk and honey. 
and to show them the pomegranates and to show them the cluster of grapes in the hearts of the people, I'm sure was rising with praise and expectation. Oh, the land is just as God told us it would be. But then you look at the next verse. Because in verse 28 it says, Nevertheless, nevertheless the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast. Verse 23. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land. These twelve men coming back, forty days spying out the land, over a million and a half people standing, waiting in Kiddish Barney, looking to know what lay ahead. And they came back and they brought a, a, a partial good report of the land. They said it's flown with milk and honey. You can see the fruit. And then they started, listen to this, they started to put doubt in the people of God. They put that little word there, nevertheless. And these ten men started to intoxicate the people of God with fear. I tell you, dear men and women, this morning, one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is fear. And there's some of you here this morning, and you're in this assembly, and thank God you're here. And the enemy has struck a dart of fear into your soul. They start to talk about the, the Anakins, the giants are there, the Amalekites, and all the, oh, the enemy, the, the cities are walls, their walls are high, and the, the enemy's great. And the people began to, to fear. Now I want you to cast your eye to verse 23, because this is a mighty lesson to learn. We be not able to go up against the people, for they are strong, stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched on to the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. You know what they started to do? They started to tell lies. They started to tell lies. They started to exaggerate what the enemy could do. Look at it again. And all the people that we have saw are men of great stature. They said, everyone over the Jordan, every one of them's giants. My, it's a land that swallows up, it devours the inhabitants thereof. And then cast your eye to verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in their sight as grasshoppers. And you see this over a million and a half people now that have been brought out of Egypt. My, they've saw the miracles of God. They've heard the, all of the truth about the promised land that God told Moses. And now they've come to this place, as our brother Bertie preached it before, a place of decision. And these ten men come back, and ten of them bring an evil report. They tell lies, they tell exaggeration, and they put fear into the hearts of God's people. You say to me, Stephen, what? 
How potent is fear? Well, I'll tell you how potent it is. Because these men and women who saw the the Shekinah presence of God, who saw miracle after miracle, intervention after intervention, as I say again, they were filled with fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, if you cast your eye to chapter 14 and verse 1, and all the congregation, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, And the people wept that night. One of the great targets of fear is this. It'll bring misery into the hearts of God's people. You remember whenever the Lord Jesus was speaking to the church of Laodicea, after he said, you're blind, and after he said, you're naked, and he put in the little word, he said, you're miserable. I can tell you, dear people, this morning, whenever you and I as a people of God are filled with doubt and with fear and unbelief. You know what will happen? We'll lose the joy. And these people were miserable. They mourned and they wept. But then it goes on, because not only were they miserable, it tells us they began in verse 2 to murmur. And they murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And my dear people this morning, let me tell you, it's a very, very dangerous thing to murmur against the servants of God. You remember Miriam in the chapter previous, in chapter 12, she murmured against Moses, and Moses, my, had to stand and watch his sister as God smote her with leprosy just because she murmured. To speak against the servants of God, and the saddest thing about it all is this, these million and a half people that didn't stop there. You cast your eye to the end of verse 3, come with me at the beginning of it, and says... Wherefore hath the Lord brought us? My, not only did they turn their unbelief and doubt, and did they turn their guns upon the servants of God, they turned upon the very person of God. And they began to murmur. And then they began to, to meditate on the past. Because it says in the end of verse 3, Were it not better for us to return into Egypt, and they said one unto another, let us make a captain and let us return. Let us go back unto Egypt. They wanted to go back. My dear people, as our brother Bertie was saying in his opening remarks of this message and this meeting, and he didn't know what I was preaching on. There comes a time in the life of a believer when you have to leave the past behind. You have to burn the bridges. And there's some of you here this morning and you, God has called you from denominations. God has brought you out of other assemblies and maybe God has you here, but you're still not committed. You haven't left it behind. You haven't burned the bridge. And here the people of God that said, my, we want to go back. They murmured and they were miserable, filled with doubt and unbelief and fear. And my dear people, a whole generation died because of it. Because these people murmured and the response that they had to the promised land in all of the history of Israel, this sin of unbelief killed more people than any other sin. Whenever David was filled with pride, 70,000 men died. Whenever the children of Israel lifted the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, 50,000 men died. Whenever David committed adultery with Bathsheba, the child died. Uh, 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 and there the father died, Uriah died. 
But here, whenever the people of God were filled with fear, doubt, and unbelief, and they murmured against the servants of God, and they spoke against even the very person of God, my, there was nearly over a million of them died. And whenever the writer to the Hebrews is talking about it in Hebrews chapter 3, he said that they had an evil heart of unbelief. I wonder, do you have an evil heart of unbelief? Lord, Lord, I don't believe that you can move in my situation, Lord. Lord, the giants are tall and the enemy is great and the battle's been long. Lord, I don't believe. Oh, my dear people this morning, put your confidence and put your trust in God. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Now, I want you to see this this morning. Because there's not only the return of the spies and there's not only the response of the people, there's the rebuke of Caleb. These million and a half people standing at the trickling waters of the Jordan, they could see the hills and the mountains of the promised land. All of their hopes and expectations were burst. It all seemed to come down like a lead balloon. And they saw the fruit and they heard about the enemy and the difficulties in the land and they doubted God. But there was one man that took a stand. One man that made an audible stand for God and then Joshua stood with him. Cast your eye to verse 30 of chapter 13. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to go over. Here was a man who believed God. Here was a man that while others saw the difficulties, Caleb had his eye on the victories. Whenever others saw the giants, Caleb had his eye on God. Whenever others had their eyes on who was against him, Caleb had his eye on who was for him. And Caleb said to the people, look at it again. He said, let us go up at once. Now's the right time. Strike while the iron is hot. You see that word still there? It's the word to be silent. It's the word to hush. It's the word to hold your peace. Here's Caleb standing and don't forget that the population of Northern Ireland is in around one and a half million. You take all of the population of Northern Ireland and one man stands and he raises his voice and he said, men and women, let us go over and possess the land. There's the courage of Caleb. And my dear believer, this morning, if there's ever a day in the life of the saints of God, we need courage it's today. To stand up for God. To take her stand wherever it may be in the workplace, in her home, in her community. And while others may belittle him and mock him and deride him and, and blaspheme him, that we can stand wherever God has us and say, men and women, I believe God. You remember that was the language of Saul, who was then called Paul. In Acts chapter 27, in the storm, and they hadn't seen the sun or moon in many days. Maybe you're this morning in the storm and all hope seems to be gone and you're weary and you're tired and the enemy has struck fear into your heart. And my soul could stand, Paul could stand and he says, Sirs, be of good cheer 
For I believe God. Hallelujah. A man that believed God. But there's not only the character of Caleb. And there's not only the courage of Caleb. I want you to think of this. I want you to come with me to chapter 14 again. And we're going to look down at verse 23. Just take your time. Find the place. And let the Lord speak to your heart. And God is speaking here in verse 23. And he says, surely they shall not see the land. Because they murmured and because they didn't believe God. Because they doubted. That whole generation died in the wilderness. And they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb. Now this is God speaking. This is what God said about Caleb. He said he's my servant because he had, listen to this, another spirit. Here was a man that was not taken up with a spirit of fear. And I know that's easy for me to tell some of you here this morning. Whenever you see the appointments coming and you see the decisions that you have to make coming and you see the future and all of the obstacles and there's fear in your heart, it's very easy for me to stand here and say, don't fear, I know that. But here was a man had another spirit. That's the answer to fear. The answer to fear and the spirit of fear is the spirit of God. And Caleb was a man that knew what it was to be filled with the spirit of God. He had another spirit. And you know the prayer of my heart in the recent days as I walked the house during the week preparing and thinking over this message was, Lord, give us that another spirit. If other people don't believe in revival, Lord, give us a spirit that will take God at his word. If other people don't believe that souls can be saved the way they used to be saved in this generation, Lord, give me another spirit just to believe God. Oh, my dear people, this morning, would to God every one of us would say, Lord, give me that other spirit. As we go to our meetings and go to our missions, as we stand in the open air, as we knock the doors, as you dear women, men, to your family, God, give us another spirit to just take God at his word. That's it. And here, this man, there's his courage and his character, but this is what I'm thinking about now. There's his commitment. Because if you cast your eye again to verse 24, and again, it's God speaking, but my servant, what an awesome thing for God to say. But my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him, and hath fully, or followed me fully, him will I bring into the land. Six times in the Bible, it says that Caleb fully or wholly followed the Lord. It's an old Hebrew word that whenever a ship went out of the harbor and they got out past the harbor wall, the sailors used to lift the, the main mast and then they would let go the main sail. And what it really means is they were totally committed to the wind. They would go where the wind blew them. Here was a man, Caleb, that was just committed to God. Now just hold on for a second this morning. Here is a man, everything he did, he did it with all of his might for God. Whenever he prayed, he did it with all of his heart. Whenever he served and whenever he witnessed, he did it with all of his heart. He wholly followed the Lord. 
He was committed to God. Caleb, that word Caleb means a dog. Now, some of you people here this morning, if you have a dog, you could have a good dog or a bad dog. But a good dog's always obedient. Are you Caleb? Are you obedient? Would you be obedient? A good dog's not only obedient, a good dog's always close. Whenever a man is a good dog, it'll always be at his heel. He'll always be led by the footsteps of his master. He'll not deviate, he'll not make his own path. He'll not be pulling on the leash. He'll just be at the heel. And Caleb, this man, called a dog. He was a good dog. He was God's dog, if he could put it like that. And a good dog will be faithful. Let me ask you a question this morning. One of the greatest traits that God is looking for among his people, now listen to this, is commitment. Commitment. I can tell you, my dear people, a church or an assembly of God's people is not built by people blowing here and there. And they go to the morning meeting one week and they'll go to an evening meeting another week and they'll go to the prayer meeting one week. That's not even how you would run your business. Never mind the church of God. And here was a man that was committed. And if you and I want to be like a man like Caleb, we'll need to have character. We'll need to be trustworthy. My, we'll need to have courage. And we'll need to be committed to God. And as I was saying to the young people on Friday night, wherever God has you, put your roots down deep. And leave all of it behind. Leave all the years behind. And wherever God has you, stay there. And put your all into it. Because here was a man, Caleb, and because he did that, he was mightily used by God. He was totally committed. He had the full seal up. He had no break on. And Caleb could have sang the little chorus, follow, follow. I will follow Jesus everywhere, anywhere. I will follow on. He could have sang like Leonard Weaver when he penned that hymn and we often sing it, I have a shepherd following Jesus ever day by day. Nothing will harm me when Jesus leads the way. Darkness or sunshine, whate'er befall, Jesus my shepherd is my all in all. Can you say that? He could have sang with Francie Ridley, have a gill as we sang, every joy or trial that cometh from above, traced upon the dial by the Son of Love. We may trust him fully all for us to do. They who trust him wholly, find him wholly true. Have you something in your past that you would need to leave behind? Because my dear people, unless you leave it behind, it'll be a millstone around your soul all of your day. And maybe it's a grievance in your heart against another believer and you'll need to leave it behind. Maybe there's some wound or some hurt in your life, you'll need to leave it behind. And here Caleb was a man that was totally, 
totally committed to God. And I want you to come over as we close to Joshua. Joshua chapter 14. Just on over, and you'll come through the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and chapter 14 of the book of Joshua. Because we're fast-forwarding 45 years. Because the children of Israel didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. Because they believed the lies of these ten men and the exaggeration, because they fed upon fear and doubt and unbelief. They, they never entered into the blessing of God. They, they wandered around the wilderness for 40 long years. 40 years uh, they were in the wilderness and there was dust and danger and death. A whole generation died because of unbelief. Because they weren't willing just to go through with God. They, funeral after funeral. Day after day. But there was two men that were brought into the land, Joshua and Caleb. And 45 years later here, after they've come over Jordan and they've taken Jericho and they've got Ai and they've killed the five kings of the Amorites and they've got the victory and they've got the blessing. Joshua stands up in front of all the children of Israel and he starts to divide the land. He starts to give every tribe their portion. And if you cast your eye to verse 6, it's at that very time whenever Judah comes up. And the children of Judah came unto Joshua at Gilgal. That's the very place where they stepped over the Jordan. That's where the Ark of the Covenant passed over. That's where the children of Israel put their foot first of all in the promised land was Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenite, said unto him. Now listen to this. This is Caleb talking. 45 years later, this is a man at 85 years of age. He saw his friends die. He saw his family members die. He saw his neighbors die. And him and Joshua, the only two out of that whole generation, and this is what he says, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as was in my heart. You see, this man was trustworthy. And he was truthful. While the other ten men told lies, he just said it as it was. And then he goes on again in verse 8 and he says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the hearts of the people to melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy foot hath trodden shall be thine inheritance. And the children's forever, because thou, listen to it, hast fully followed the Lord my God. And now, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty-five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years of age. Eighty-five years of age, and this man comes to obtain the promise that God gave him. Forty-five long years waiting on a promise to be fulfilled. And my dear people, this morning, there's some of you here, and you've been waiting for many a year and a promise to be fulfilled. But Caleb held on to God. 
Caleb, my, had commitment, but Caleb had consistency. In all the 45 years of the difficulties in the wilderness, and death after death, and all the impossibilities, Caleb just held on to God. I like that about a man. A man that will not run in the dangers, a man that will not run whenever the going's hard. He just held on to God. Oh, my dear people, verse 10 says, He has kept me alive. God had preserved this man for a purpose. I was walking through Cookstown last night, about 10 o'clock, just talking to the Lord about this message. And I started to think about the times in my life where he's kept me alive. This time last year, I was walking about with a big boot. My, that lorry that hit me in the Porta Down Road. You know what God did? He has kept me alive. Hallelujah. Some of you here have had heart attacks and all of the rest of it, cancer, difficulties and illness. My dear people, listen to this. God has preserved you for a purpose. Make sure you fulfill that purpose. Make sure you fulfill it. He could say, God has preserved me. He has kept me alive. I know, Joshua, that God needs me for one thing. And he wanted to do it. And then he goes on, cast your eye to verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. Here was a man that was still in the battle. Here was a man that was still waging war on the enemy. He had fought a good fight and he was going to finish his course. And Caleb, I can tell you, he was a man. And is it any but wonder that God used him? And then he comes, and this is what I want to see. Verse 12. Now, therefore, 45 years have passed, Joshua. 45 years of death has passed. 45 years of waiting has passed. Now, now's the time. Now, therefore, give me this mountain which the Lord spake in that day. Here was a man that wanted to possess what God wanted him to have. You know, there was many mountains in Israel. But Caleb wanted the mountain that God wanted him to have. He said, I want the mountain that God spake of. It's going to be an uphill battle. The giants are there. The enemy's there. The cities are strong. But Joshua, I've waited 45 years for God to give me what he told me I was ought to have. And Caleb came to cash in on his inheritance. There's some of you here this morning and you know all about the giants. Some of you here will go home and you'll face a giant of loneliness. He'll be there. And that husband or that wife's no longer there, but loneliness will always be there. And he's a giant that's tall and he's strong. And there's some of you will have to face the giant of depression. And the battle's long. And the nights are hard. And there's a, the giant of fear and the giant of guilt and there's a giant of the past and on and on you could go. But Caleb came to Joshua and said, Joshua, I've waited long enough. The enemy has had this portion of ground too long. And I'm going to get it. 
And Joshua, I don't care how long it's going to take, and I don't even care about the uphill battle. I'm not concerned about the giants. I'm not concerned about the, about the walls. He said, I'm well able to go because God is with me. My dear people, that's how you'll slay the giant. And Caleb went up, my, and he got, if you cast your eye, to verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Japhian, Hebron for an inheritance. My, he knew that God was going to be with him. He depended upon the presence of the Lord. He depended upon the power of the Lord and the very promises of the, the Lord. And here he comes and he says, now's the time. Now's the time to enter into the inheritance. And he got the victory. My dear people this morning, now's the time to move. Now's the time for many of us to take God at his word and there's promises that he's, he's given uh, uh, and there's an inheritance that he's promised. Go in and claim it. Because Joshua, you'll find him in Hebrews chapter 11, while his name's not there, it said that there was those that obtained the promise. Ah, he knew that the giants had had it long enough. He knew that the enemy had the territory long enough. And he says, Joshua, give it to me now. I don't know how long Caleb lived. We don't know how long he lived after he got the victory. We don't know how long he lived or how many years he had after he got Hebron. But he did what God had called him to do. And it says that the land had rest. In the last verse of your chapter, it says that the land had rest from war. This man affected a whole nation. Would you like to be a Caleb? Would you like to have that courage and that commitment and that confidence in God and say, Lord, Ireland's my mountain. My community's my mountain. Lord, my children's a mountain and the giants are there, but oh, the Lord is with me and we're well able to take it. And Joshua got the victor. You remember at the start of the meeting, and time has beaten me, you remember we talked about Caleb and his character. And we said very briefly about his tribe and his task. Well, here's something for you to think about as we come around the table. Because there's Caleb and his type. Because I can tell you that Caleb is a mighty type of another man that climbed a mountain. And he's a mighty type of another man that faced a giant. And he's a mighty picture of someone, another man who won the victory and who gives rest and who is a mighty refuge. And who is he but the blessed Son of God? And now he could cry in the garden on that night. Read about it when you go home in Matthew 26. Not my will, but thine be done. He could have prayed, Lord, give me this mountain. And I'm glad that he took it. I'm glad whenever the Lord Jesus was on the cross, he dealt with the giant. Oh, I'm glad that the Lord Jesus got the victory. And because of him, we can have the rest. Now you say to me, Stephen, that's all very well, but what does that mean? Well, just simply this, friends. Take God at his word. Only trust him. Only trust him. Mother, only trust him now. Oh, he will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. What a man. What a man that believed God. 
May every one of us have characteristics in our life just like him.